Hi, I'm Dr. Melody. Whoa. What What do I say? Melody Let's start Hilton. over again. Dr. Hey, I'm Melody Hilton. Okay. <laughs> I've already done Joel how many Hilton? of these. No, no, no. Go back and let's start over. No, I'm keeping this. <laughs> no, don't you keep this. I'm keeping it. No. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. No, you get rid of that, guys. <laughs> this is real. <laughs> no. Hi, I'm Dr. Mel. No, no, no. What am I supposed to say? Oh, we're keeping it oh, now. Hi, I'm All right. Melody Hilton. So, guys, um, things do not always start out super smooth. <laughs> so you get to hear the real deal. Um, I still think you need to edit that out. <laughs> I know you don't edit, Joel, right? <laughs> A little bit. Well, welcome to another Q&A episode of Life Exchange. Um, as always, you can send us your questions at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear what you um, either comment on what we've said, uh, constructive only, please. <laughs> and Or if you have a question, we would love to check it out, see if maybe we want to speak into it. Um, for you. So uh, let's get into today's questions. I feel like the people around me don't see my value. How can I show people how awesome I am? And I just want to say to you, dear listener, you are awesome. We think you're awesome. We think you're so awesome. Keep being you. And you don't even know who you're speaking to, right? I do, but I'm not going to out them for their questions. Oh. <laughs> Well, I believe that if we're looking to who God created us to be and we want to be a pure reflection of that, uh, we had to realize we are awesome yeah. and we hold a whole lot of value. And when we are just who He created us to be, then that's enough. Yeah. I think that's sometimes the hardest part is knowing that you yourself uh, are awesome or uh, that you have something good to to give. And so if you already know that, um, that's fantastic. Uh, but a lot of times I've found like the hardest question for people to answer is when I ask them who they are um, and immediately they go to what they do. But when I, I start pointing right. out identity points of, well, you are valuable, you are loved, you are wanted, you are accepted, you belong, um, all the things that God says about us, uh, it's actually really hard for people to grasp that a lot of times. And so um, if you can get to that point first, that you actually understand your worth and your identity. Um, number one, I think when you get to that place is you'll stop kind of, um, not that you don't want the validation from people, but you, um, because you're so secure in it and yourself, you won't be really groping for it from other people. Um, you know, you'll, you'll be okay that you are enough that you are, do have something good to offer. Uh, and the other thing, like I would say with this question is if you do want the validation from other people, uh, well, I guess two things. One, um, is sometimes we just don't get it because we don't ask for it. And so just asking for feedback, um, number one, just saying, Hey, like, can you, and this could be super uncomfortable for some people to do, but just saying, um, could you just uh, let me know what benefit that you receive from me. Or can you just tell me like what you see in me that I, that I'm good at, or, um, just character traits that, that you admire. It sounds almost awkward or like, um, vain to ask those things. But I, I think that you can really do that in a helpful, healthy way, just to ask people for feedback and then feedback on the other end of, of saying, um, Hey, I feel like I'm, I'm not, um, receiving 
the validation uh, in this one area is, could you just tell me like, is there a reason? Could I be doing something differently? Could I be doing something better? Uh, And if you really are coming from a place of identity of knowing who you are, you'll be able to receive that feedback really constructively uh, and maybe make little changes um, from what they're speaking into your life that will help people to see you for how you want to be seen. And if you feel like you're not being validated by those around you, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that because I believe that that validation is a core need within every human being. I think of, you know, with my own children, you know, they might draw a picture or uh, Mm -hmm. create something. What do they want? They want to go show their parents, hey, Mm -hmm. what do you think about this? And they're looking for validation. They're looking for that acceptance and that approval. And the truth is, you know, we might not act like that when we get older, but we all still have that need within inside of us. Yeah. And so what happens when we don't get it? Well, it can be disheartening, discouraging, frustrating, mm-hmm. right? But one thing I do want to say about that is, okay, if we're not receiving it, we have to be careful how we try to fulfill that need, though. Right, yep. exactly. An example that I like to use is holding your breath. Eventually... No matter how hard you try, your need for air is going to override your willpower to hold your breath. And that's the same way with any need. Your need for validation, it doesn't matter how strong your willpower is. If if that need goes unmet, you're going to do whatever you can to get that need met. And that's why a lot of good people will do destructive things yeah, right. outside of their Christ-like character because they're just trying to fulfill an unmet need. Mm -hmm. So I will say this, be aware that that is a need, but you need to pursue after it or, or try to get that need met in a healthy way. I think the first thing is we have to acknowledge that we hold intrinsic worth, period. It's not based upon what we do. It's based upon who we are as a son and daughter of God. Even if we weren't saved in the eyes of God, we still hold value because Jesus paid the price for the sinner, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he he gave his life, he shed his blood uh, so that um, so we could be saved, but it was because he valued who he created us to be. So I think if we are out there trying to get people to see our value, I think we're, we're setting ourselves up because if someone does not show me value, it's really an estimation of how they view themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. uh, Some people are phenomenal valuing others. Other people are phenomenal at being critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of an oxymoron right there, right? But, you know, they're very good at finding fault. And so I cannot look at a human being and expect them to give me what I need. And really, that's what we call the fear of man. And the Bible says, um, the fear of man sets a snare for you. So we'll do a lot of crazy things like you were talking about, Joel. We'll do crazy things trying to get a need met. And when we're driven to get our need met, it's really fear-based. So I think the most important thing is we have to first go to ourselves, run to the Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith, and begin to rehearse the value that we hold, period. Not based upon what we do. What we do is a reflection of our intrinsic worth, but uh, we have to just see, my goodness, I'm a human being 
and that holds great value. So we were created to have this need. And so the purpose of it is to draw us into intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. So if we feel like we're lacking in this, first and foremost, we must run to our creator. We need to turn our ear to his truth. We need to soak up soak up every ounce of value that he has for us. And then from that place, right, we'll begin to recognize uh, where we can get that need met in a healthy way. Like if you don't see your own value, you're going to put yourself in positions where you become devalued because you don't even see your own value. But when you can see your own value, you're going to actually see situations or people, hey, they really value me and and attach yourself to those things. Mm -hmm. And even if you... Uh, do hear that from others. If you aren't convinced of it yourself, you'll think they're patronizing yeah. you. Yeah. You know, you won't even yeah. believe it when they tell you. Like you say something nice to someone and they're yeah. like, yeah, what right. do you want? <laughs> yeah. You're like, whoa. <laughs> so you first have to believe it about yourself. Yeah. And um, one way that you can see, once once you're able to see your intrinsic worth, then you can start focusing, okay, what do I contribute to my world? Mm-hmm. What do I give to my world? So instead of trying to get people to give me something, I live myself, contri- live out of contribution. Mm-hmm. I don't take and get, but I contribute to my world. And the more I do that, the more I'm going to see the value that I hold, not just in what I give, but who I am as a person that is motivated to contribute to my world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And then people, they'll just say, wow, that was great. I mean, you won't even have to ask for it. You won't even have to look for it because mm-hmm. people will be able to see the purity of your heart because you're not doing to get something. If the only reason I love you is to get you to love me, something doesn't feel right about that picture. Yeah. Uh, or if I do good to you because I want you to do something uh, in return. Katie, I'm going to give you a gift because I'm hoping next week you give me one, right? So do you see, that's all convoluted. But the fact is, if I hold value and out of the value I hold, I want to generate value in you, Katie, I don't need anything in return. And you're going to feel that and you're going to celebrate that. And hopefully then you'll pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not to me, it could be to somebody else. One of the things that we need to accept is that not everybody's going to value us. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay when you can see your value from your creator and and the love and the affection that he gives towards you. Like, I mean, think of Joseph. Yeah. yeah. He had a dream and he shared it with his brothers. <laughs> you like, guys are going to bow down to me. <laughs> Mom and dad are going to bow down to me. Yeah, exactly. And then you got that David. that out for you. <laughs> yeah. Then you got David that, you know, he goes and says, you know, what will be done for the one who slays this <laughs> yeah. giant and his brother's like, get, go back to dad, like, get out of here. <laughs> you know, you're going to have, there's going to be people and there's going to be, and guess what? Both of those situations were family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So you're going to have to be okay with not being always accepted and valued. Yeah. If, if you, if you're able to, connect with the heart of God for you, those things just don't matter. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, they're nice when they happen, but it's not sure. like it's not like everybody all the time is just having praise poured out on them. Yeah. And it would be honestly, nice. Honestly, I I only want what is genuine. Yeah. 
I don't want someone to patronize me. I don't want someone to flattery, flatter me because really flattery sets a trap for you. Mm-hmm. And what does value someone valuing you look like? I guess if you're just looking for constant praise, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's always true value. No. no. Because sometimes value is protecting you and correcting you yeah. as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, Correct. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't like we try to create an environment where we do validate one another. So we do believe that this is important, but I think the, the, the avenue or the, the thing that we're trying to address now is like, if, if you're needing people to cater to, you know, cater to always being this praising, you know, glowing report of who you are, then I think you're kind of missing it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just makes shows sense. that you're really depending on that for your yeah. own self-worth when what happens when that goes away is your self-worth goes away. I need you to like me so that I can be happy or... Yeah. It moves beyond quote-unquote affirmation uh, because when you really value someone, uh, genuinely valuing someone, you do not judge them based upon what they do, even positively judge them based upon what they do. You you look at them and you see their value, you see their worth, bottom line, not based upon uh, what they do right or what they do wrong. And a lot of times I think we think that if we give people a lot of affirmation, they'll like it so much that they'll change. Yeah. But all change only happens intrinsically. Mm-hmm. And when when we can see a person and one thing you know just going to the culture of our church i even said i preached on sunday and i said there isn't one perfect person in this place but isn't it wonderful it's such a safe place to be see that's validation right yeah. there we don't have to be perfect we don't have to arrive uh, because if we come into church and we have to perform in this perfect way and have to please everyone around us, then we hide our challenges when in actuality, the more validating I am, the more validating culture we have, people will be honest about their battles because yeah. they know it's safe for me to go through a process of healing and restoration or uh, I'm willing to hear truth because I know you really value me. I know you really love me. So I'm going to receive the truth that you have to give to me. Mm -hmm. Because what our world wants to do is we want to change everybody, but not value them. Mm -hmm. When you change, I'll value you. No, I'm going to value you. And out of that foundation, then a person will want to change. Yeah. This needs to come from a healthy environment, but the best way to get your needs met is just to be honest and communicate. Mm -hmm. Like with my kids, you know, they've learned like before uh, some of my kids would would act out in certain ways. And I would just be like, do you need attention right now? <laughs> yeah, that's good. And they're that's like, good. Well, yeah. One of your kids, you ask them what they needed and they were like, I just need to cuddle or. Yeah. Yeah. So but you asked. Yeah, and- exactly. So like, I, I, obviously, I'm speaking from a healthy environment, you know, sometimes you know, it's not always a healthy environment, Mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes it's just, I just told my kids, if you need affection Mm -hmm. and you're not getting, getting it, ask for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you know, Which, my word, if we could all learn to just do that, it would, it would, uh, solve a lot of our issues. Yeah. And my daughter is one that likes more affection than my boys do. <laughs> well, at least with me, you know, they love their You house. might have to be right now, sweet daughter. I need some space. <laughs> yeah. But she's really great at saying, I need a hug. Yeah. I need, I need dad time or I need this. Yeah. And so, um, I, I think if you are in a healthy environment, it's okay to express your needs. express your need to those that you're. If you're needing more uh, validation, ask for it. Yeah. I think where people get into trouble is they don't know how to ask, so they'll passively yeah. manipulate. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And at least in my experience, generally, if people feel manipulated, they will they will resist yeah, it. Right. The opposite. So if you are trying to communicate in a passive way and not just being honest, you might be uh, causing people to resist what you're wanting because you're just not being honest. You're just kind of going through, you're beating around the bush or you're going through the back way to express something. Mm -hmm. And it's just maybe turning people away. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I think this takes a huge dose of self-awareness <laughs> to yeah. walk all of this out, but uh, but it's very possible. And, um, you know, if you can be in that culture where people can be honest with one another, uh, it's just, it, it leads to such rich relationships, but also just such, um, security in your own identity that you can love yourself. And, um, whether you're getting all of that validation from external sources, um, you're going to be okay and you're going to work through that. And yeah, it's good. It's like sometimes my mom will be like, oh, this is so amazing. I was like, that's nice, but that's your mom saying it. Oh, like yeah. like <laughs> a face only a mother could love. <laughs> like, yeah. That's awesome if you have a mother like that. I'm just saying like not everybody's going to be your cheerleader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you're saying. A lot of people are looking to others to validate them because mm – -hmm they've been devalued. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's where healing needs to come in. No one's saying the right things or complimenting you or giving affirmation is, is, I mean, it doesn't harm you at all. It's a beautiful thing, but we, we first have to kind of deal with those things where we've mm -hmm. been devalued and, and really receive some healing, uh, from those things so that we can view ourselves from a healthier perspective. And then when people do communicate it, we actually do believe them. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking to, let's say uh, me as a pastor, if you're looking for me to fill the need that only God can fulfill, Correct. guess what? I'm a well that will run dry. Yeah, right. You know, and then you're just going to be upset and angry that I'm not giving you what you need, but it could be because you're, you're expecting me to do something that, that God needs to do in your life. Yeah. There yeah. are things that only God can yeah, do. Yeah, for sure. I think exactly. in working this out, in that developing that self-awareness, asking why is a really important thing here. So like if you're feeling like you're not getting that affirmation or even just little things like, um, you know, like, okay, I've, I'm feeling angry towards this person. 
Okay. Why? Like, what is the source of it? Okay. Well, I'm comparing myself to them. Okay. Why am I comparing myself to them? If you can just kind of track your motive back to the beginning, you're going to eventually find that need. And that's how you can begin to get the need met in a healthy way when you actually know what it is. And so Mm -hmm. just doing that self-work of asking why, and I strongly uh, suggest inviting the Holy Spirit into that process. Say, Holy Spirit, help me understand why I'm feeling this way towards this person. Uh, And then just keep asking the questions. It doesn't have to be super emotion filled. Uh, It can just be, okay, why? Okay, well, I felt this. I felt um, jealous of them. Okay, well, why? And just trace back the source. Eventually you're going to hit the need and then you can pursue getting that need met in a healthy way. Needs are not not bad. You just need to fill them in a healthy way. Sorry to interrupt you. I was so love how you say, ask yourself questions because something happens uh, in our brain when we ask a question. Yeah. We search for the answer. And a lot of times what we're doing, we're just being driven by our feelings yeah. and uh, and this gut reaction of what I want to do, what I want to get, what I want to uh, receive from someone. And if I don't, or comparison or whatever, it's just how we feel. But when we stop and ask ourselves a question, it will be amazing how we'll be able to answer it. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Really it's good. power. It, it shifts our way of thinking. Yeah. And, and you then, begin looking for a solution right. instead of just reacting out of that's whatever right. you're feeling. Cause those emotions have a source, right? That could be a logical source or an illogical source, but mm-hmm. they came from somewhere. So if you can just kind of backtrack, um, ask those questions, get down to the source, get down to the need, um, then you'll be able to meet your needs. And that, isn't that what we all want is <laughs> to be filled and, and overflowing. Um, so it's a, awesome I mean, that process. was, that was a very solid, uh, thing that you just shared because that really will answer that question very, very well. So I hope we answered that question or at I least think. challenged you to maybe look at it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so our next question is I'm prone to burnout. How do I break this cycle? Um, now we're speaking to pastors here who have never experienced burnout. <laughs> also speaking to two women who really like to load their plate really full. <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. I came up with this question so that they could preach themselves a sermon. So we could work through our stuff or I could work through my stuff. I was like, oh God, when I saw this question, I was like, can I get an extension? <laughs> can I come back to this one? <laughs> Well, I love the scripture in Philippians where it says, (laughs) let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And honestly, if I'm hearing and obeying the voice of the Lord and my rest and my trust is in him, I will not be burned out when I am functioning out of radical obedience to the Lord. Now, where I get burned out is when I start adding a whole bunch of my own demands upon that beautiful calling, that beautiful unction of the Spirit, what God spoke to me to do or what I felt like the Lord was leading me to do, and there was vision and purpose. Now, I start adding all this other baggage onto it. 
it has to be perfect, or now I need to do this, or now I place all these expectations on myself of what it has to look like and and what are the results of that, I'll get burned out Mm -hmm. because now I've taken the purity of something God put in my heart or even just something valuable I choose to do. I've taken the purity of that and I added so much baggage. Uh, you know, just picture, I go to the grocery store and there's no carts, so I have to carry it. And so I went into the grocery store uh, to get a half gallon of milk. But while I'm there, I go, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this. And I got, and then I got so much that yeah. I got to carry. It's a good analogy. And I, I can't carry it all. Now I'm burned out. But my initial goal was just to go get a half gallon of milk. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to buy the whole grocery store. <laughs> And, and so I think we do that to ourselves a lot because we step out to do the simplicity and then we start making it very complex. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. The first step in overcoming burnout is recognizing that you're prone to it. Mm. Because if you don't identify the problem, how are you going to find a solution for it? And I, was, I looked up what prone means, and prone means to have a tendency or inclination being likely. Mm. And one of the things that I found as a common factor for those that are prone to burnout is that they refuse to change. Mm-hmm. See, they have a system, they have a way of thinking that they're committed to, especially when it doesn't work. Why can I say especially when it doesn't work because they're prone to burnout. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning it's very likely that burnout is going to happen again. And so they are doing the same things over and over and over again because they have their way of thinking or they have their system in place. So if you're going to avoid burnout, you have to be willing to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know I need to take some time off, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Right? You have to be willing to do something different. Yeah, I need to establish some healthy boundaries, but I never make them, (laughs) right? Yeah, I need to do something differently, but it goes back to that's not my routine. So if you recognize that you're prone to being or prone to burnout or it's very likely that you will have another cycle of burnout, obviously you're doing something that is repeated that is causing this. So congratulations, you recognize that you're prone to burnout, but now you also have to recognize why you're prone to burnout. See, if you can recognize those things, why you're prone to burnout, then you can start addressing those and changing those things. This is a really cool scripture verse, but it's in Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the axe is dull and he Mm -hmm. does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. But wisdom to sharpen the axe helps him succeed with less effort. See, sometimes it's not just um, it's not just uh, changing everything altogether, but it's just sharpening your axe to do it in a more effective way. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of times uh, we can be so romanticized by our passion, and we're you know. If you're passionate for something, you will cut down a whole forest with a dull axe. (laughs) That is no fun, right? But if you have have wisdom, if you have wisdom to sharpen the axe, yes, you're still cutting down the forest, but 
it's done with less effort. Yeah. Hey, and if you've ever uh, cut down a tree, either with a dull axe or a sharp axe, it's still a lot of work. So yeah. I think going back to your question, I mean, your, the whole conversation on questions would be very good at this point in time. What am I doing? What practice uh, do I have? What thought process? What expectation am I putting on myself mm-hmm. that is unreasonable, that is causing me to come to a place of burnout? Well, if you're saying, I always find myself in this place... Well, it could be a repeated action that is happening. Mm-hmm. And so what am I doing? I'm probably what? misquoting it, but I think uh, John Maxwell said, uh, if you don't change where you're going, you're going to end up where you're going or something like that. Like, if you keep on doing what you're going to do, you're going to end up where you're going. Mm-hmm, and so yeah. that's what I was talking about, burnout. If you're prone to it, there's probably something that you continually do that is causing you to get to this point. So if you can not only recognize that you're prone to burnout, but you can recognize why you're prone, then you can actually address that thing and actually change the thing. Like I said, yeah, I know I need to take time off, but I don't. Well, if that's the reason that you're kind of always prone for burnout, maybe changing that one thing and forcing yourself to change that behavior And I believe you would be less likely to fall into that cycle of burnout. Or maybe say, why do I feel this? Well, you know, when I was a kid, my acceptance came from working Mm -hmm. 60-hour weeks, you know. And, you know, I started working when I was 14 and we were putting in 60 hours a week or Mm -hmm. 40 hours a week and going to school and I was doing all this. So they believed what generated value in them Mm -hmm. was to work that much. So now they're getting burned out because they never take any time off. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I kind of lived there. I grew Mm -hmm. up in a very work-driven environment. I'm still a hard worker. And so I have to recognize sometimes I can be putting a workload on myself because that's my habit. I feel lazy if I'm not working. Now, this is not now, but that was a huge belief Mm -hmm. inside of me that if I'm not working, then I'm being lazy. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you ask the question, why? Well, you know, I've been doing this since I was 11 years old. No wonder I think this way. And then really, isn't that repentance? Changing the way we think. Mm -hmm. And when we change the way we think, then we change what we do. And when we change what we do, we're going to get a different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like we have to say, what is our story in this? If I'm burned out, uh, there's a story or a narrative I have that is positioning me to get burned out. Yeah. So if I can discover the story that I created, now I can rewrite that story, as it were, Mm -hmm. and have a different end result. So I can still do the same things, but I'll enjoy it. Yeah. That's to me, I always look at the story, like what story am I telling myself? Yeah. Uh, And you know, where's it coming from? Is it true? And so even what you were saying, just even recently, I started asking myself, um, cause feeling like on the verge of burnout of, um, okay. So I am feeling all of the, all of these expectations of, I got to do this. I got to do this. Got to get this done. Deadlines, all this stuff. And I started just asking myself, okay, what, is someone else expecting this of me? Or if I'm really honest with myself, am I expecting this mm-hmm. of me? And just that perspective shift. Yeah. And then I could trace it back. There's a story there that goes back to my childhood. Um, but I just started asking myself, okay, what, 
this is this is the story that I live by. And so if I really get honest with myself, what expectation is uh, is real? You know, we all do have things that we have to get done for other people or, you know, your job or whatever, um, your family. But a lot of the times there's just so much expectation that we put on ourselves, so much extra pressure. And so when I'm able to just think from that perspective, it takes a lot of that pressure off my shoulders because I can just say, okay, realistically speaking, if I actually look at this with clarity, I am putting all this pressure on myself that is my that my own doing. So then I can kind of strip those things away. And I have gotten a lot, a lot better in some of these areas. Like, I mean, Costco has become my best friend (laughs) because like, I used to think that like everything had to be homemade and everything has to look super like professional and, and Pinterest worthy. And then I just realized that Costco makes a really great chocolate cake and it looks good and it's not that expensive and everyone loves it. And so if I have to take something, I used to be like, when am I going to bake a cake? And now I just think, is that the tall chocolate I cake? Yes, the like oh, really light. It's like so cake. good. <laughs> or like if somebody has a baby and they need a meal, Costco makes these great prepackaged meals that people can pop in the freezer or the oven. And that pressure is off. So it's just like those little things that used to be like self-propelled um, expectations to be something that they didn't need to be or they could be done a lot simpler. And uh, that takes a lot of pressure off. And then speaking to what you were saying, Joel is the change. So, I mean, I, I was upfront, like I'm prone to burnout <laughs> in the beginning of this question, but like I had to realize my story is, has always been, well, it's easier if I just do it myself. And because mm-hmm. I'm a very autonomous, independent person, I can get it done, but it's not healthy all the time for me to just do that. And so, um, I would always be like, well, I I probably should ask for help. No, it'll just be easier to do it myself. So it just continued down that narrative and that pattern of behavior of just doing it myself. And I have had to come and I'm still learning to come to that place that I actually have really capable, qualified, awesome people around me. And I, I need to ask them to bring their best to the table. And the thing is, I remember, this has been a long time, but I remember being so, um, like burned out at, this one week. And I was so mad at you, Joel, like for, I was like, I was unloading my car and I was like, why is nobody helping me? I was getting so frustrated, so mad. And then it just occurred to me that I had never asked for help. And I think I did ask for help. Like immediately you were like, Oh yeah, sure. (laughs) And you came and helped me unload the car. And a lot of times it's just those, those moments of realizing that it's (laughs) self-inflicted. And that you do have to actually change your behavior to achieve different results. And now you're impacting the world or your relationship so much better because now they're a part of your life and people are being fulfilled because they're be they're able to contribute. Yeah. Now we've got a beautiful community rather than you doing it all yourself. Yeah. And it's something I've had to learn though. And I'm yeah. still having to learn because and I'll be like hundred percent honest. Sometimes it does create different issues sure. because now you're bringing other people into it, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, even though my knee jerk reaction is I see, I should have just did it myself, but that's not the truth. That's just an old story that I've lived by. And so now I am seeing, yeah, there are some things that we have to work out, but it's actually good. And it's actually beneficial, not just for me, but for the whole. Yep. Is the mess that the person brings worse than the burnout that you experience? (laughs) Yeah. And that's just what you have to, kind of decide yeah 
It was something that I said before in in probably another podcast, but you know, if you don't like the harvest that you're reaping, you got to change the seeds that you sow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it is when we're talking about burnout. If you don't like the harvest of burnout, you got to change the seeds that you're sowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, you had to ask for help. You mm-hmm. had to do something a little different than a lot of times people, well, they should just know. Right? <laughs> oh, they should God. just know. I've learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> People don't know. No. <laughs> and I think this also goes back to what we were talking about in the previous question of needs is sometimes you 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 hit burnout because your needs aren't getting met and you're yeah. trying to fulfill them in a in a way that's not productive. Like I just even realized like um I I value that I have a need for fun. And so I just realized I was like, hey, you're hitting that burnout level. Let's assess oh, you need to have some fun. <laughs> so I started to build some fun into my summer because I recognized that um, that, that was a need that was not getting met. And so, hey, when your needs, when you re- realize that you have them, that you're supposed to have them and that you get them needed, you get them filled in a healthy way, um, it helps in a lot of areas, but burnout is one of them. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think we got one more question. And... Okay. Um, This is Katie's favorite question, speaking facetiously. (laughs) Um, I'm told I need to serve in the church, but can't they just hire someone to do it? (sighs) It's just a loaded question. That's so funny. We just got done talking about burned out. Now we're just saying, now you got to (laughs) work. Well, maybe the reason the pastor is in burnout is because they are doing everything. Okay. So if any pastors are listening to this, they're like, we need our team to listen to this, or we need our congregation to hear this. So what is the answer? Can we just hire someone to do it? Come on, hire someone. I mean, practically speaking, it takes money to hire people. (laughs) Churches are donor-run, nonprofit organizations. And the Um, majority of churches are small. Small churches. And, you know, I I don't judge and I love you either way, but find me a church where every member gives, like you won't find it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, pr- practically very, I mean, obviously speaking, you can't just hire someone if you don't have the money to do it Yeah. and you have to be wise stewards of the resource that you have. So it does often end up on um, any nonprofit, not just churches. It ends up on um, the shoulders of a, f- a few volunteers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think moving beyond that practicality, which is, you know, a fact, I think it's important for people to recognize that what we're investing in holds uh, dividends that are much greater than the action itself or the work itself. Uh, because it's it's really developing that family, that community, yeah. that relationship, because now we're doing it together. And one thing I've learned through the years is when someone makes an investment, uh, they have greater buy-in. So my goodness, they celebrate every victory because mm-hmm. that victory is a part of what they've invested. So if we work together on something and it's successful, we are celebrating yeah. And it's it's beautiful because we came together and it's something we've done corporately. But if um, just you and Joel are doing this thing and I refuse to invest into it and I just, man, we'll just hire somebody to take my role or whatever mm-hmm. it is, 
then, oh my gosh, then when you see success and fruit, I'm going, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. But when we all help with the work, as it were, and we're all a part of a family dynamic, I know one thing you do, Joel, is you bring your kids out and you have them pull weeds and do that kind of stuff. And they, why do we got to do this? Well, is this your church family? Yeah. Okay. That's what family does. And I think it's so powerful because now when we make investment, then we really celebrate the fruit. Well, and that if you even research the signs of happiness, um, that's always going to be one of the th- the top contributors to happiness mm-hmm. is when you are contributing to a community of people. Um, it actually, it bonds you relationally and mm-hmm. uh, with other people. You're doing something good. It makes you feel good. And so just even, you know, neuro- you know neurologically, scientifically, um, it is a key contributor to happiness when you serve in a community. Yes, because of that buy-in and for all those other reasons. Um, but hey, if if you want happiness, <laughs> we're all, wow. you know, Maybe life, love, why. and the pursuit of happiness. If you want to pr- pursue happiness, start to serve um, in a community. I can even, there's these couple little stories that I love, but um, I, I volunteer in a community garden and um, the woman who really founded the garden and did so much work in the garden, she always says that she buried her depression in the garden. Wow. And I always loved that because she was, um, she was serving, she was, um, part of something greater than herself uh, and really develop something beautiful. And I even know in a period of my life when I was going through a lot of anxiety, um, I just started going down and there's a ministry in a, um, inner city near us uh, and they just do trash pickup in, in this, um, um, rough neighborhood. And I just started to go down and just pick up trash. And now I volunteer at church. I serve at church a lot, obviously. <laughs> um, but Um, but this was a a way of, I had less responsibility. Um, so I would just go down, pick up trash, meet new people. And that was really a lifesaver for me in that season because I was serving a community, something greater than myself. Um, and it, it helped bring that happiness, bring that, um, bring joy when I needed joy. Isn't that why the Bible says every joint supplies? Yeah. You know, we need every part. If we're a family, every part supplies. And that that isn't obligatory. It is a beautiful choice that we make. And when we say, "This, I'm a part of this family, therefore I choose to make investment. So I'm not just coming for what I'm going to get. I'm coming for what I'm going to give. And when I do that... It so impacts me on a deep heart level, and I become a part of a body. And I mean, God really commands the blessing Yeah, when people dwell together in unity, but boy, when they work together in that unity, it really produces blessing and favor. I truly believe that the church is always meant to be a place of responsibility and covenant, mm. being that exchange of life between one another, like you said about the parts mm-hmm. uh, supplying life to one another. Uh, but I think sometimes in in our society in this day and age, church has become more of a spectatorship mm. and consumerism. Like they're coming to spectate and consume or fulfill a religious quota per se. But it, the church, how it was meant to be is a place of responsibility, of giving, of serving, and also the exchange of life. It's where the, the body comes together and are actually 
able to supply the needs of mm -hmm. the body. Yeah. And so I think it's awesome that we have live streaming and stuff like that, but uh, we have to be careful that that just doesn't turn into, well, I did my church thing and mm -hmm. it's, you know, I just came in consumed or I just spectated what God was doing rather than being in and involved yeah. and partnering with the body to yeah. exchange life. Yeah, for sure. Now, I, I would have more to say on it, but mom took my parenting example, so... Oh, I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, about pulling the weeds. Yeah. Yeah, that's so well, awesome. Well, in I'm this family, in our Giving Light family, we all have something good to, to give, and we all chip in with the work. Those are our, our yeah. mottos. So from the littlest ones... <laughs> Well, my kids say, well, why do we have to do this when others don't? I said, well, I'm not their parent. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I have a responsibility to train and equip you to prepare you for success. And and you're not doing it because you're a pastor here. They're your kids and you're just saying this, really, this is so empowering for them. I think Aiden, wasn't, wasn't he like nine or 10 when he started doing multimedia because he was like very focused? He's better at it than I ever was. I mean, he <laughs> is so good at that. Now, of course, he's a lot older, but he started when he was just so young. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is Joel doing? I didn't even allow <laughs> kids back there, you know, at that age. And here he was phenomenal uh, because it was a great fit for him. And so it's really beautiful because it's not just people working. It's finding out what they carry you know, where their passion is, where their gifts are, what their skills are? I think are. ultimately, yes, you want it to be that. But I think in the beginning, um, sometimes people don't serve because they think, well, that's not my area. Mm. And I think that is a an excuse, <laughs> to be honest. I think if you want to, to feel a part of a community, um, then just serve wherever you can serve, whether it's parking lot, um, children's ministry, listen, children's ministry, sign up for children's ministry. Yes. <laughs> it's an important uh, role. It's so valuable, so needed, and and people just run from it. Um, but just serve wherever. And I think that the gospel is a gospel of service. Um, I love the scripture in James where it says, um, if a man is hungry and you say, go and be blessed, <laughs> but you don't actually feed him, what good is that? Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes as the church, we get kind of into that mode of just saying, well, I'll pray for you, bless you, but we don't actually do the work. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's saying like, what, what actual good is that? Yes, it's great. I'm not saying don't pray for people. I'm not saying that that's not helpful, but there is a very, there's a practicality that the gospel that in Jesus final hours, he spent it washing the disciples feet. He wow, spent yeah. it practically serving them and demonstrating to them that when he left, that's the kind of life he wanted them to live is in practical service to, uh, one another. And so it's it's fundamental to the gospel um, to be serving in community and to be serving the world around you. Another important factor to this question is serving should cost you something. Yeah. Mm. See, a lot of times I think people are waiting for an opportunity in the sense of a place of honor or Ooh. a place of like, you mm -hmm. have this amazing voice and I'll serve... Uh, using my talent to sing the Sunday special wow. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but serving, it can't just be benefiting. Like, it's got to be more than just serving yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's serving. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't 
do those things if you have that gifting or talent. But I'm just saying you also need to find a place where you're actually maybe serving on things that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's got to cost something. Yeah. I think taking something that might be inconvenient mm-hmm. and sacrificial and mm-hmm. make a choice, I want to do it because it's right. Because mm-hmm. I think if they do something and saying, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it already, it's sabotaged. Because they're saying, I don't want to do it, but I feel obligated to do it. So when... Well, willing and obedient. It's yeah, like having willing the willing and obedient. And it's just recognizing I'm making a choice to do this out of love, yeah. out of respect, out of relationship out of I'm a part of a family. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't have to do things every day, every week that they don't feel like doing? Like, exactly. Guess what? Sometimes I don't want to be in children's ministry because I have a bad mood that day. Well, guess what? I have to talk myself through that work through uh, and say, these kids are valuable. And so, yeah, it's going to cost me having to change my attitude that day, but it doesn't mean that it's very much not worth it. And boy, changing your attitude just matures us from the inside <laughs> out and we are better off than we were before. Like who right? really wants to change a poopy diaper? Like <laughs> nobody wants to do that. Uh, I really think uh, it just, as you said that, I think vision is so important. We have to see why do we serve? Yes, for community and all the things that we've talked about, but we are serving that higher cause. We are honoring our God. We are making an investment that has the ability to impact a person's life. Like, well, nursery is a very big deal for us Mm -hmm. because uh, we have brought the whole understanding of what's happening, you know, from conception up and we brought those things in. But when they're back there, they are impacting a child for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And if they can see the vision, if they recognize that the truth that they are investing, they're not babysitting, they are teaching them, they're speaking into their identity and their worth. And if a child has memory from four months in utero, look at the ability that we have to change the trajectory of this child's life because we are willing to spend that couple hours back there investing into their identity. I mean, to me, that's just like, one of the most beautiful things. Is it work? Yes. Is it always fun? No. Do I always feel like doing it? No. But the fact is, when I do those things, if I can focus on the reason, the vision, the mm-hmm. purpose, what, how we can impact a life, we can complain about school systems. We can complain about, you know, all the things that are trying to destroy the lives of our kids. Well, here we are in a church. We have an opportunity to use those foundational years to plant a foundation in them that they're going to be so much more resilient when it comes to all the things the world throw at them. And here I am preaching vision. But if we can see the vision behind something, then we'll be willing to invest into it. You know, somebody comes along and says, hey, you want to invest your money into McDonald's? And I'm going... I would never eat, no offense, McDonald's, but I would never eat at McDonald's, all right? That's not a place, like I can't, I don't see vision for how that's going to impact humanity for good because it's not good for you, okay? And so I shouldn't have said the name of the place. Maybe you can edit that out, John. (laughs) But I I wouldn't want to invest it. I think they're doing just fine. I'm sure they are. They don't care about what I think. But, But if they're... 
let's say there's a re- restaurant and uh, they have this and this and this that really is impacting people for good and, they, and they're and they literally serving a higher cause so they do this and this and whatever, I don't know. But I'm going to invest into a place that I can see vision that has an ability to impact people for good. And, and so it's just like, I wouldn't invest my money into something that I would not see potential or value or vision in. So uh, if I can see that potential, I'll invest my time yeah. into it in in family. Yeah. I guess I would just say like sometimes people will say, well, I'm not in, like, I don't feel connected to that cause, but that like they don't actually pursue one I don't know. Maybe we disagree on this, but sometimes you just need to be serving and sometimes you don't feel connected to the long-term vision or the cause, but like, it doesn't mean that you can't still serve in that area. Maybe just even one time or a short term, um, or, or just actually find somewhere that you can connect. Just make sure you're serving, make yeah. sure you're serving yeah, in I community. Um, Because I think there's just a lot of reasons we can give ourselves to not serve um, when ultimately you just have to be serving. It is it is part of the gospel. If you are part of the kingdom of God, it is actually uh, a responsibility um, to for you to serve in community. And I think going back, I think it people have to recognize this is a choice I'm making. I'm not doing obligatorily. I'm not having to do it. I must do it. I should do this. Well, if I don't do this, you know, and just, you want you want to step into it in the right frame of mind because mm-hmm. it's not always what we do. It is the motive behind what we do, and it is my heart. Yeah, this is this is the right thing. I choose to do this yeah. because I love God. I love these people. I love the family. I love the community. This is an honor for me to make that investment. Yeah. Like I just even talked to somebody last week and um, they're going to be volunteering in an area. And they kind of said, well, I never really thought about serving in that area. It's not really a place of passion, but they said, well, but I love this family and I can do it. So, so that was there. It wasn't like the specific area was their area of passion. It's like, I'm part of this family. They were doing it. Yes. Yeah. For the greater vision of the family. So that to me was beautiful. Actually, there was a, a man uh, for our nursery, he said, those babies need male figures. Yeah. And I wanted to grab him and <laughs> hug him, go through the phone, you know, because their mindset, what, like how many men says, I want to be in the nursery because I want them to experience yeah. a godly man, mm-hmm. a father figure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, that's that's a powerful choice. Do you think he's going to love every moment of it? I'm sure <laughs> not. But see, there's something he made a choice. Yeah. Because he values family. Yeah. 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 And we're obviously speaking from a small church perspective because probably there's a lot of churches where it's just easier for them to hire someone. At least in our setting, we believe that um serving is is contributing to the health of the body. But you know, you could be on staff and be a hireling. Mm-hmm. It's the ma- it's the the motive of the heart. But you could I mean, why is it that if you are 
a pastor who works for money, it's a hireling. But if you go to work and you serve a business, oh, well, yeah, I work there only for the money. Well, then you're a hireling there. So at some point in time, we just have to make a conscious choice that the right thing to do is to serve, even if I need to go get a job and earn money or whatever it might be. I think we just we just got to go back to that place or it's important or it's healthy that when we step out to volunteer, when we step out, even if we are in a large church and we have been hired, I've made this choice because I want to be a part of this family. You know, you still want to go in with that attitude because if the person is only doing it for money, then it becomes obligatory when it needs to remain in that realm of I'm I'm choosing this because I know it's the right thing. Yeah. It might not be the fun thing, but it's the right thing. Yeah. Katie, it might not be the fun thing, but it's the right <laughs> yeah. thing. So obviously we have a biased opinion on this topic. <laughs> well, I, I mean... The gospel is biased toward this opinion. <laughs> Ask me. So says everybody that has <laughs> that justify their. Opinion. If you want to be the greatest, you must be a, the least. Be a I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying like we have a biased opinion on this. Yeah, and my bias is right. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to have a little self awareness, so you know. Yeah. But for all of those reasons and more, be a part of serving your community. Like I said, it'll make you happy. If you want to serve the community, hit like on this. <laughs> subscribe. Please subscribe to our show. Yes. All right. <laughs>